Well, each Christmas as we enjoy the celebration and all of the, <clears throat> the beautiful things associated with the season, and um, we certainly <clears throat> love the, the picture of Mary and Joseph making their way uh, to <clears throat> Bethlehem and the stable where Jesus was born the humble manger, the animals gathered around uh, in silence, the shepherds that came, left their flocks by the announcement of the angels and came and worshiped him. And later the wise men that came from so far away, bringing gifts to give to the Savior, the Messiah. But as we tell the story over and over again, year to year, and we think of these uh, beautiful images associated with Christmas. It's important that we pause for a moment and get beyond the beautiful pictures, the beautiful thoughts, the beautiful music, and realize that God was some, up to something so much more wonderful than anything we could imagine. It's important for us to think about how this birth of Jesus Christ was understood and regarded by the early Christians who established the church. What did they think about Christmas? They didn't have Christmas trees, wreaths, <laughs> lights, the parades, all of the celebrations. What did they have at Christmas? Well, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we see what they had. They had the truth regarding what God had accomplished through that incredible event of Christmas. The message this morning is entitled, When Love Came Down. That is the message that the New Testament church focused on. God loved us to come down and save us. You know, as you look at the great religions of the world, religions are almost always about how you can become good like a God or how you can become a God yourself. Christianity is the only faith that tells us about how God came down and found us because we needed him so desperately. Lost in our sin. He came down with his love to rescue us. How many of you know that our faith is about much more than self-improvement? Forgive me, but I hear so much uh, teaching and comment about how we can make ourselves better. Guess what? God sent a Savior because we needed a Savior. Because we were lost. We were condemned in our sins. There was no hope for us. And so as we are saved, we realize Christmas is about God's love coming down to save us. And what an incredible difference it truly made. And so here, Paul is teaching the Christians at Philippi what happened at Jesus' birth. And it's the, in the context of his exhortation to the church. And we're going to look in a moment about the, what's happening in this chapter is Paul is explaining how they need to love each other and get along and serve in unity and how 
Truly, God wants them to become shining stars, reflecting the light of God in this world. But how is all of this possible? Jesus says it's because of what God did through Christ and the example that Christ set through his life. And what happens to us as we are transformed through faith in him. So let's look at verse 5, continue through verse 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And here I would pause to say, you know, Christmas is a time we should address our attitude. Not just think about our gifts and our giving and all of the favor and fun and enjoyment that we have, even the wonderful celebrations we have at church, but to stop and think about our attitude. Can I ask you this? Has Christmas affected your attitude? I trust that it has. I trust that it will this year as you stop a moment and say, but what does this mean? What does it mean for me? Does this mean that I need to make any changes in my life? Well, it's clear here as Paul shares with them what was probably a hymn that they sung that uh, was based on a prophecy from Isaiah. But this is, this, is what, this is what Christmas really means when love came down. Who being in the very nature of God, that is Jesus Christ, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What happened here? God came down with all of his love and his saving power. C.S. Lewis said, <clears throat> God made his son a man so that we could become sons of God. That's what it's all about. That's the gift. We accept God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and we become sons of God in such an incredible way. This is the hope that our world needs as much today as it needed 2,000 years ago when Jesus first arrived. And how many of you know that this Christmas message, the true Christmas message, is important for all of us, for our whole nation, for the whole world? How about for our country that's in serious conflict right now? You know, just about the time that I think it's as bad as it's going to get, it gets worse. There's more news. There's more trouble. There's more conflict. Uh, 
And here this last week, even Christians disagreeing about our president and the vote and the impeachment. Well, let's stop expressing our opinions and pray. Can we do that? Let's look up above the circumstances and believe that God is our hope. Not the Congress. Not either party in the Congress. Not the president. But Jesus Christ who is what? The Prince of Peace. How many of you know that ultimately our problems will only be solved in Christ's return? We're hoping for as much as possible before that, but we know enough about the nature of man and our continuing failures and strife to know that it's only God that can solve our problems. This teaching from Paul to the Philippians is about what we call the incarnation. Very, very important truth that comes from the scripture that is the heart of the gospel that all of us must understand in some measure in order to be forgiven of our sins and to be saved. This is one of the strongest passages that teach us that Jesus was completely a man and Jesus was completely a God. And C.S. Lewis said, 100% man, 100% God. He was the only 200% individual in all of history. Isn't that the truth? He had to be to save us. All God, <laughs> all man. And as we realize what a special gift he was, this incarnation. We realize that God not only provided the, the way of salvation for us, but an example of how we can live for God as sons of God. You know, we often uh, overlook it, but the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life, the only one who ever did that, and showed us the way that we can have power over sin. How very important. <clears throat> you know, in his uh, later years, uh, Billy Graham talked quite a bit about the, the incarnation. And how important it is for us to understand it. The incarnation is a great mystery that we do not fully understand. But we understand enough to give us hope that God really knew what he was doing. One of the illustrations that Billy Graham liked to give was about how one day he was walking uh, at, at, at the farm and he accidentally stepped on an anthill. And he noticed that he had destroyed the beautiful anthill that the ants had made, their, their dwelling, their home. And he looked down and he regretted that he had stepped on the ant pile and he saw them swarming around and some of them had, had died from the injury of his step. And he thought for a moment and he thought, if I was going to help those ants, the only way I could do it is to become an ant myself and give them hope and show them the way. And of course, he was thinking about the incarnation. That God looked down upon us and knew the only way he could help us was to come down and become one of us and show us the way and help us. There's an article that appeared a couple of years ago 
uh, in uh, Decision Magazine regarding the mystery of the Incarnation. I want to share with you what Billy Graham says about why the Incarnation is so important. Just three reasons. And this is the heart of what the Christmas story is about, our understanding of Christmas and the power of Christmas to change lives. Do we believe that Christmas can change lives? It absolutely can. Well, Billy Graham said, first, we need to know that the incarnation is a scriptural fact <laughs> that we have in the prophets before Christ, in the re record of his life, and all the writings of the apostles in the New Testament, this continuing truth that the incarnation was God's plan, that the Bible is full of this theme as it tells how it was necessary for God to come as Jesus Christ to save, it, save us. The prophets, the psalmists, the apostles all agree that we needed Christ to come in the flesh. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Behold, the, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, shall call his name Emmanuel. How many of you believe that the Bible really teaches the incarnation? You know, it's been interesting how uh, liberal theology has tried to, to uh, cause us to doubt the virgin birth and doubt the, the full extent of the incarnation. And yet the scriptures themselves say so clearly and absolutely what God had in mind in Jesus becoming flesh. Second point. What is it? The incarnation is it's an historical fact. It's something that happened in history. That the roots of Christianity go back to that very event. And as that event changed history, and the story has been told over and over again, we realize that it's not just a scriptural truth but it, uh, an historic event that anchors our faith. And so it is. It's always amazed me, you know, the importance of Christ's birth, that it divided human history in two parts. We have history recorded before Christ and after Christ. Why is that? Because the event was so absolutely important. And so... The history of Christ's coming changes the history of our lives as we realize that this gift that God gave is truly transformational. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not something that we speculate about or wonder about or hope happened or would happen. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and the whole world celebrates that every year. You know, I've, I've been amazed as I learn a little more and more about different traditions of different nations and how, how the birth of Christ has been celebrated. We realize it's because it actually happened in history. The third thing that Billy Graham says about the Incarnation is that 
as it is such an important fact, it is, we consider it an experiential fact of the incarnation. As we recognize this truth and we accept Jesus Christ, we experience the incarnation ourselves as Jesus is born in our hearts. Do you realize that we are living proof of the incarnation because Jesus lives in us? That his ministry continues generation to generation because of this fact? So promised and explained in the scriptures, an event in history, and then an event that changes our lives experientially as we accept this truth and Jesus is born in our hearts and makes such an incredible difference in our lives. And so this is what it's about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can I ask you, is Christ in you? then truly Christmas has made a difference in your life. Now, would you get back to the text here and just see what's happening here? Verse 6 talks about the glory of God and how his nature in Jesus Christ. And Jesus really set apart his reputation, set aside his reputation and his glory to become flesh among us. In verse 7, we see the humility as he became a servant, submitting himself in human likeness. C.S. Lewis likens this. He says, you know, this would be like us looking down at a slug and uh, deciding whether or not we wanted to become a slug to help the other slugs. I don't want to be a slug. How about you? Why did God do this for us? It's amazing, his miracle and what he did. And so Jesus set aside his glory, his powers, his opportunities to become like us. And then the humility that we see in him is an incredible opportunity for us to know how much God loves us. Verse 8 says, the incarnation here the form and appearance of a man, obedient to death on the cross. Jesus had flesh and bones like us. He suffered like we did. He actually died on the cross like we all die. But then we see that as he was resurrected, his exaltation. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The exaltation. As Jesus came down, God's love came down, and Jesus was exalted. He wasn't just exalted for himself, but he has taken us with us, with him, to be in his presence for all eternity. And then finally, our salvation in verse 11. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so that's our confession. 
Because of Christmas. Because God's love came down. Because Jesus was exalted and took us with him. We have so much to be grateful for. And so here we see in the context, Paul's teaching the church here at the first part of chapter 2 about how these believers should live based on the example of Christ. And he says, do nothing, Christians, this is for us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look on your own interests, but the interests of others. Why? Because of what was revealed through Jesus Christ and the hope and the knowledge that we have. And then as he continues to explain through the chapter, he says to them, this is the the promise. He says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Hey, those are Christmas stars that we need to be concerned about, huh? Our lights shining in this dark world as stars of Jesus Christ. As you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. And so it is. He's saying, Christians, because God's love came down in Jesus Christ and Jesus has done all of this for us. Stop living for yourself and your own ambition. Care for others. Serve others. Even put the interests of others about yourself. And let your life be a shining star in this dark world. Carrying the gospel to all who need to really understand and know what all this is about. Wow. A great calling. All of it's possible because love came down through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, thank you for this wonderful instruction from your word in Philippians that you preserve for us to this day to understand how you want us to live, what the birth of Christ actually means, and what a difference we can have if we will simply accept him in faith. Help us, O God, this Christmas to be shining stars for you because we understand, because we have accepted, because we believe, and because we obey. In Jesus' name, amen.